Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for joining us here on The Takeaway today. I'm Todd Zwillick coming to you live from KERA in Dallas, and it's great to be here. You know, America has watched police shooting after police shooting. The circumstances, sometimes justifiable, often questionable, and sometimes outrageous. Through it all, though, a storyline has emerged. There is a war being waged on our police officers. There's an oppressive force in the way that criminal justice engages with black bodies. And it becomes unrepairable. It doesn't take a lot for things to spiral out of control. Put their minds somewhat at ease when they're out here on the streets and not be so aggressive because they're supposed to protect and serve, not kill us all. They want to invite for coffee and dinner. People who tweet out support of convicted cop killers. Most of you guys don't know what it's like to be followed in the store for no reason, to be stopped and pulled over for no reason. It's simply not going to Today, we launch a new series here on The Takeaway. It's called To Serve and Protect Life Behind the Blue Line. We're talking to police from all across the country for this series. We're asking them to share their experiences being law enforcement officers in these highly politicized and emotionally charged times. How do police officers feel about their sometimes conflicted role in society? And what do cops want us to understand that doesn't get told in the media? Really, what's it like to be a cop? Well, today, we start with one of Dallas's own. My name's Aaron Tobkin. I've been with the Dallas Police Department for going on nine years now. My rank is what we call senior corporal. I'm a field trainer, so I'm responsible for training uh, rookies who come out of the academy. Um, but I went in, in th- at 39 years old, which is definitely pretty old for starting a police career. You know, I was in the academy with a lot of younger guys, you know, a lot of people who were just out of college or maybe just out of the military. This was their first real job. It was a little bit tough. It was hard keeping up with some of those young guys, but I think that I also brought some stuff to the table, maybe um, just a, a career, a lifetime of talking to people, dealing with people, being in the customer service business, which ultimately is kind of what police work is. Being an officer is all about communication, regardless of whether you're talking to you know somebody who's called 911 who needs help or whether you're talking to a suspect or you're talking to other officers. And that's how we avoid problems out in the field. That's how we avoid having to use force or having to take things to the next level as best we can. And I think that that builds a lot of bridges and that makes people feel a lot more positive about the police in general. Maybe one of the negative parts of where policing has gone is that we don't get that opportunity to make personal relationships with people out in the street as much. And it's it's not that officers don't want to do that. Um, it's that we spend, the, I would say, the vast majority of our shift just responding to those 911 calls. And unfortunately, that doesn't really leave a lot of time for the individual police officers to do what we call like self-initiated policing, to do things that are not just answering calls because we have limited time, limited resources. But I think in Dallas, in particular, that relationship is pretty strong with what happened last July. We interrupt this evening with breaking news out of downtown Dallas. All right, look, we're looking back at, in Dallas, Texas. This is disturbing. The planned protest there has erupted into gunfire. I'm not sure what we're seeing, but it, it looks from this vantage point like an officer down. Oh my God. Chaos erupting on the streets of Dallas at 9 p.m. Somebody's really armed to the team. In the aftermath, 
five Dallas police officers are dead. The outpouring of, I don't know what else to say other than just love from the community. I mean, people came into stations. I think it was a solid three, four weeks that every day we just had people voicing their support and putting up signs and tying blue ribbons around trees. And it made you know that the relationship is not as bad as maybe some people might think it is just if all they're really exposing themselves to are the stories that tend to portray things maybe in, in a negative light. Police pulling up to 12-year-old Tamir Rice. Take a look at this in Cleveland. For the second time in two days. Two videos in two days. I know that, you know, the media, their responsibility is to report what happens. I think the frustration that sometimes police officers feel is that you'll have a, a giant pool of positive interactions between police and between the citizenry. You know, with the numbers I've seen put it in the tens of millions every single year. And most of those contacts end either without incident or with a positive outcome. I can tell you that most of the calls I answer when I leave, most of the citizens are pleased with the service that they got. You have officers out there doing like straight up heroic things all the time every single day I see it all the time and then they feel like what gets reported is just these handful of negative interactions or controversial interactions that happen and so I think that's the frustration and if and it can push officers to feel like that maybe somewhere behind there there's a narrative that somebody wants to tell that's that's contrary to what's actually happening out there detentions exist between uh, the community or certain communities and law enforcement without a doubt that tension is uh, brought on by by a long history of you know bad relationships between law enforcement and um, certain communities in the United States, and it was probably the function that law enforcement fulfilled at different times, which is a very oppressive, very you know racist function. As obvious as it is that that tension is there for a reason, it's also just as obvious that things have changed dramatically, that departments have changed the way they do business, that they've changed the way that they hire officers. And so to fix it, I think that departments have gone a long way to doing that with new training programs that teach officers a lot of less than lethal tactics with tasers and sponge rounds and things like that, you know, that reduce the number of fatalities that officers will have with interactions with citizens. I think that helps a lot. But I I think that long term, the only thing that's really going to help, and I would love to see this, is that we, is we need to educate. I think that officers, we, we need to be in the schools. They need to be out there from the time when kids are very young and get a history of positive interactions between the kids and between police officers. If there was something that I would want to leave the public with, it's that police officers vary a lot. We're a very diverse group of people. We're about we're as diverse as the United States is diverse. And so I think there's a lot of times that people think that police are like this separate race of people, this blue race. And what one officer does is reflective of what every single other officer does. Nobody would want to be lumped into a group and be responsible for everything that the group they're a part of does. And so I would just encourage people out there to Look at officers the same way that you that you say that you try to look at other individuals as just individual people. We're not all one blue race. We're all individuals. 
That was Senior Corporal Aaron Topkin from the Dallas Police Department. Tomorrow, we'll hear from one of Corporal Topkin's recruits, Officer Justin Milton, also of the Dallas Police Department. And we want to hear from you, too. If you're a current or retired police officer or have family that work as cops, we want to hear your story. What do you want the public to know about your job and the day-to-day reality that you think the media is missing? This is Sheree from Elmira, Oregon. I didn't personally have family members that were police officers, but we did have friends. And as a young girl, one of my best friends' father was a police officer. The one thing that I noticed was the loneliness. He was always gone, always on shift, always on duty. I don't remember seeing him ever. This is Sean from St. Paul, Minnesota. I do have a brother-in-law and several friends who are police officers. I'm a supporter of Black Lives Matter, and I support the NFL players' right to take a knee. But I also think that we need to give police officers uh, a break uh, to a certain extent because they're constantly dealing with people who lie to them all the time, and this makes them skeptic, almost to the point of paranoia. So it's a lot harder to get the message across to them in a way that they believe. Your voices on the lives of police officers in America. What do you think the public needs to know about being a cop that might be misunderstood or might not get into the media? You can call us at 8778-MY-TAKE. You can always join the conversation on our Facebook page. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. I'm Todd Zwillick coming to you from KERA here in Dallas through Thursday. This is The Takeaway.